What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast. Back at it again today, man. Thursday, March 28th. Today, man, we just going to recap this first day, first half of the Sweet 16 games. Obviously, that would mean four games have been played today. Um, recapping the first game, which was probably the best game of the day, Purdue beat Tennessee by a score of five in overtime. Now, the game started off everything Purdue could have expected and wanted. Carson Edwards was on fire. Ryan Klein had the best game of his life in a Purdue jersey, um, putting up 27 points and hitting seven three-pointers. And he shot seven for 10 from the three-point line. That is 70%. And he was giving Tennessee all sorts of problems. And Carson Edwards added 25 points. Um, like I said, Purdue came out with that first punch, and they just didn't look back. Tennessee was – you could tell Tennessee was rattled. They were unorganized. They, it was probably the first time this season I've seen them dysfunctional. Um, going into the second half, they made a big-time run. I think they made a run that was like 30-16 to 16 run. Came back into the game. Um, actually went up by two points at towards the end of the game. And then they fouled Carson Edwards at the three-point line. Carson Edwards ended up going to the line, going two for three. Missed the first one, but the game was tied up. Went into overtime, and then overtime, it was just complete dominance by the Boilermakers. They did everything. Matt Painter did an excellent job making adjustments. Um, Carson Edwards really just had to, you know, kind of let some selfishness go, even though he takes a lot of shots for them. And, you know, when he's confident, the rest of their team is confident. That's a quote from Notre Dame's head coach, Mike Bray, what he said today. Um, but it's facts. You know, when he's having, when he's balling, the rest of the team gets going. You know, everybody was really doing their, playing their part, doing their role. But like I said, Tennessee had no answer for Ryan Klein. Just no answer. But um, got to give credit to the volunteers. Um I'm, I've been on the record for saying Rick Barnes is an overrated coach. I think he is, if you ask me personally. But their players are really good. The senior class that played their last game in a volunteer uniform, Admiral Schofield, um, I believe Jordan Bones a senior, I believe Lamonte Turner's a senior, and I don't know who else is. I know it's one more. Um, they all play their butts off, I'm not going to lie. Admiral Schofield really struggled in the first half, but he came out and dropped 20 in the second half, which is very impressive. And like I said, they came back. They were down, um, I want to say they were down probably 12 at halftime, probably a little bit less than that. I forgot what the exact halftime score was. But they came back. Like I said, they went on a 30-16 to 16 run, forced the game to overtime, even though Lamonte Turner made a – you know, a not so smart foul by finding a three point shooter. Basketball heads out there, you know, you know, you know, you know, you never foul a three point shooter under any circumstance. And it sucks because it might have cost them, but I wouldn't say it, you know, it's one thing you can just point out that says the reason Tennessee lost it is because of that certain play because they went into overtime. They still have five minutes to secure the game, but in overtime, they couldn't buy a bucket. Grant Williams was hooping in the second half, but in that overtime period, it was almost like Purdue just completely took over. They're absolutely dominant in every faucet, in every way. And, you know, just credit to Matt Painter and his coaching staff. Um, they did a hell of a job. They made the right adjustments. They did what they needed to do. They clearly were focused on their game plan. They clearly executed their game plan. Um, their defense was spectacular because, you know, Tennessee is much more – if you look at if you look at them eye to eye – Tennessee has much more built players, should I say? They're you know stronger players, more physically talented players. But um, Purdue is just a more smarter team, and they did what they had to do. And you know they're moving on to an Elite Eight for the first time since 2000. 
haven't been to the Elite Eight in 19 years. It's their first appearance under Matt Painter, so good job for him. They will play. Um, who will they play? They play Virginia. Virginia, on the other hand, was the next game. It, these games were both played in Louisville, Kentucky, by the way. Virginia played Oregon. Um, where they, you know, for the most most of the game, they were leading, um, doing their thing. Um, they really they they kind of struggled offensively though. Virginia kind of scares me because they struggle offensively at times. They really go on bad. Like a lot of teams go on droughts where they're not scoring, but Virginia has this thing where I feel like they have a nice squad, but they don't put it all together when they need to. Like they barely escaped Oregon. They only beat them by four points, fifty three to forty nine. Not discrediting Oregon, Oregon, excuse me, because Oregon, you know. They played their butts off. Oregon wasn't even supposed to be here to keep it a buck with you. They've been dealing with so many injuries from Bobo to Lewis King missed a few weeks. Kenny Wooten had a broken jaw and was gone for a little bit. Um, and they ended up winning the Pac-12 tournament, got to a Sweet 16. Um, but sadly, it just ended tonight. Um, so shout out to their seniors. But they put up a good fight. I'm not going to lie. They stayed in this game with Virginia all the way to the end. Their defense was very good. Shout out to Dana Altman. Did a hell of a job making some defensive adjustments. He had Virginia looking shell-shocked. Lewis King is a big-time player. I think he'll be drafted in the first round of this year's NBA uh, draft because he's that special. He's a 6'9", you know, just bucket getter from New Jersey. And he just does it all. And he kept his team in this game when it looked like Oregon was going to be down and out. But eventually, you know, Virginia, you know, on the Virginia side, Kyle Guy's been struggling from the three-point line. Ty Jerome made a, a whole bunch of big plays. But I have to say Virginia's MVP is a dude that I actually guarded in my senior year of high school who was actually from the Los Angeles area who went to Taft High School. His name is Kihei Clark. Um freshman he's been playing or yeah freshman he's been playing a lot of big minutes for Virginia and he was their most valuable player tonight he was scoring he hit a a few big three-pointers to put Virginia up in the lead in this game he made a big time pass to Diakite for a dunk um he was just making a lot of little plays he's always his main job is to lock up defensively and he did that to a, a point today he, you know he's really really good defender he's tiny but he knows how to use his body he slides he knows angles he's really good at anticipating you know where the dribbler is going and he just does his job and that's all you can ask from a teammate is that they do their job day in and day out and you know do it to their best of abilities and that's what Kihei Clark did for this Virginia team and he is the reason they are moving on to the elite eight to play Purdue on Saturday that should be a hell of a matchup I'm not going to lie. I think I'm going to go with Virginia to win that game just because I feel like they have more. And I feel like defensively they can stop Purdue's shooters because Purdue relies heavily on three-point shooting like most Matt Painter teams do. Even though they always have a solid big man, they don't really have that this year. I think Matt Harms is good, but do I think he's you know going to be able to withstand Virginia's big men? I don't know. I just don't know. Diakite is pretty good. Obviously, DeAndre Hunter. You got um, Braxton Key for the Alabama transfer who didn't really play that much. And that's the crazy thing. Virginia didn't play not one single – or they played them, but none of their bench players really contributed in the second half. They played pretty much their starters the entire second half. And it kind of hurt them, but obviously it did them good because they won. But they kind of looked a little bit fatigued, but they did what they had to do because, like I said, obviously they will be playing – in an Elite Eight versus Purdue, which should be a hell of a game. Like I said, I have um, Virginia winning that game. So the other two games, which, you know, one of these games wasn't really a game, but we'll talk about that last. Um, 
Gonzaga and Florida State. Mark Few and company played in Anaheim, the first game today in Anaheim. They won by a score of 72 to 58. Um, <clears throat> Brandon Clark, the San Jose State transfer, had 15 points and 12 rebounds, another double-double. I'm not going to lie. I think this dude is a lottery pick. I think he is the best player on Gonzaga. Yes, I think he's better than Roy Hachimura because he's more consistent day in and day out. But Roy had 17 points. Um, Josh Perkins had 14 points, and Zach Norvell had 14 points. So they had a very well-balanced scoring machine going today, and Florida State just couldn't answer. The first half, it was a lot of back and forth, um, but I believe like, you know, probably about six, seven minutes into the first half, Gonzaga just pulled away by about 10. They were just consistent. You know, Zach Norvell was hitting shots. Josh Perkins was distributing and making plays for the for the entire team. Brandon Clark is the ultimate hustle player. He had a couple big-time dunks from offensive rebounds. He had one especially that was nasty um, where he just completely jumped over Terrence Mann and – Honestly, Florida State had no answers. Like, they tried to play a lot of hero ball, but um, the only person that really kept them in the game was Trent Forrest. Um, but in the last play going into the second half, they tried to run a play. Josh Perkins picked off Trent Forrest's handle, went coast to coast, got fouled, and won, finished the layup. Eventually got a technical, you know, bumping into MJ Walker, talking a little trash. But they were still up, I believe, nine going into the halftime. And from there, it was just all Gonzaga. From every faucet, every which way you look at it, Gonzaga dominated. From rebounding to scoring to defense, they just had it. And this is a revenge game because these two teams played each other last year in the same spot in the Sweet 16, I, I believe, in Anaheim which is crazy, but that's just how the committee wanted it to go. And I think Gonzaga, you know, just having that chip on their shoulder, just playing with that revenge factor of losing from last year to Florida State, I think they just wanted it more. I think it was simple as that. They wanted it more. They were way more hungry. And Florida State, as good as they are, they have probably have the most versatility in all of D1 basketball. They just couldn't hang. Virginia, or excuse me, not Virginia, Gonzaga just wanted it. And, you know, they took it. They went out there and took it, and they will be playing in the Elite Eight against Texas Tech. Texas Tech, this, I'm not even going to talk about this game that much because it's going to sound like I'm hating, but Texas Tech beat my Michigan State Spartans rivals, Michigan, by a score of 63-44. to 44. Yes, that is the lowest scoring NCAA tournament game from a Michigan team ever, 44 points. Um, I think in the first half they only scored, <coughs> excuse me, I believe in the first half they only scored 19 points. The game started off really slow. The first six minutes, I think the score was six to six, literally. I think both teams, both these teams are are elite defensive teams, but the difference is Texas Tech has actually has an offense. Michigan relies solely on their defense to contribute to their offense, and it, it finally caught up to them when they played an elite defensive team in Texas Tech. Xavier Simpson, Xavier Simpson, however you say his name, was pretty much a no-show tonight. You know, he was fumbling and bumbling. I don't even know if I seen him score today. He missed a few hook shots. He turned it over a lot. Um, Charles Matthews really didn't contribute that much in probably his last game. They're saying he's going to be an NBA guy. He was crying, which sucks. I hate to watch anybody cry and you know when their season is done, when their college career is a wrap. Even though he has, still has one more year eligibility, they're saying he's going to go to the league. But... You know, in his last college game, he pretty much was a no-show also. You know, but it's crazy because I think he was their leading scorer. Um, Iggy Brazinga struggled. Jordan Poole struggled. John Teske struggled. The whole Michigan team just struggled. It looked like, you know, at the beginning, it looked like it was just going to be a dogfight. It was, you know, grit and grind. And then Texas Tech just hit him. 
David Moretti, shout out to him. A nice story about his family coming from Italy to finally watch him play. He played one of the best games of his life. Um, he had 15 points. I think he was like 5 of 5 at a point. I don't think he missed a shot. Um, I think he missed one to end the game, but like throughout like three quarters of the game, he didn't miss a shot. Obviously, Jared Culver will be an NBA lottery pick this upcoming draft. Had 22 points. He was just dominant every facet. He was getting to the lane whenever he wanted, creating contact whenever he wanted, finishing through contact. I think he went 0-5 for three, but when you beat a team by, you know, 19 points, it doesn't really matter. So, um, Texas Tech just dominated, honestly. There's nothing else I can really say. Um, Michigan's press actually rattled them for a minute, but they were still up, I think, 17. If I was John Beeline, I probably would have just kept them in the press the whole time. But Texas Tech didn't fumble. Everybody contributed. Tariq Owens had a couple big-time dunks, made a couple big-time plays with block shots, um, rebounded the hell out of the basketball. Kyler Edwards, you know, big-time three off the bench, four-star freshman, um, uh, who else contributed for them? Um, and they just played hella defense. You know, they're an elite defensive team. The first time I watched Texas Tech this, this season was when they played Duke at the Madison Square Garden, and they they forced charges on pretty much all of Duke's roster. Everybody on Duke probably had to charge that night. But I think the key stat about this team defensively tonight, they held Michigan shooting one of 19 from three-point three line. Y'all do the math on that. One of 19. I think that's what – I don't even know what percentage that is, but I'm one is, I'm pretty positive that's less than 10%. And the person who hit the three-point shot was a bench player who they never play. He came in in the last minute and a half of the game. So it was just that type of night for Michigan. Um, struggled, you know, for – you know, they played good for the first, I want to say, seven minutes. But then once Texas Tech got going offensively, it was just a wrap from there. They had no chance of surviving that game. Like I said, all year long, they've had offensive struggles, and they continue tonight. A good team finally exposed them, and, you know, they go home. So the next, so Texas Tech will play Gonzaga. I think I'm going to take Gonzaga in that game. I, I say that because Gonzaga is offensively talented. I think defensively they will hold Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech doesn't have enough offensively to attack the Bulldogs with because they have Culver, obviously. They have Moretti. They have Mooney. They have Francis. But I think Gonzaga's defense is going to force them to, to play out of character, to change up their style of play. And, you know, how Gonzaga just plays is just different. I think they can hold them. So I have, obviously, like I have, I said, I got Gonzaga moving on to playing the Final Four. And I have, um, who the other game is Purdue, Virginia. I got Virginia moving to the Final Four, too. So with that being said, that was the a recap of the first half of the Sweet 16 tomorrow's games. Um, the first game. My Spartans, my Michigan State Spartans will play LSU, which should be a dog fight from for the whole entire 40 minutes. Can't wait for that game. Um, that game will be played in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. The game after that, Virginia Tech will be playing Duke um, right after that in uh, Washington, D.C. And then um, I forgot where the other two teams are playing, but Auburn will be playing North Carolina. In the other game, Kentucky will be playing Houston, which P.J. Washington should be playing. But word around town is that he didn't look his best. He kind of looked a little rusty, but we shall see. So be prepared for those games. I will recap those games tomorrow. 
and should be, you know, a fun day. Um, these games today were pretty good. Like I said, the Purdue-Tennessee game went to overtime. Fun game to watch. That game was pretty much what March Madness is all about. Um, but tomorrow's games, I think, will top today's games by a mile. So we shall see. With all that being said, man, please, as always, continue to like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share, and all those other good things. Have a blessed one. Tomorrow is Friday. Live your best lives. Enjoy your weekends. Stay up, stay positive, and stay out of trouble. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. As always, it has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Who's Podcast. Y'all have a blessed one. Peace.